Vegetarian Zen, episode number 54. We are fed up. Welcome to Vegetarian Zen, a peaceful place for vegetarians, vegans, and the veg curious to share tips for living a healthy lifestyle. Now sit back, relax, and prepare to get your veg on. Welcome back to Vegetarian Zen. My name is Vicki. And this is Larissa. And in today's episode of our podcast, we're going to be doing a review of the movie Fed Up, which we just got back from seeing about an hour ago. And we are fed up. We are. We are really... You know, this this film affected me in much the same way that Vegucated affected me when we became vegetarians about a year and a half ago. It had that deep of an impact on me, and I think it really, it's another game changer for me. We'll talk a little bit about that as we go through the review, but I know you felt the same way, right? I did, absolutely. And, you know, again, we talked about this on the in the car on the way home, and this is something that's probably going to be a little more challenging for me, but uh, seeing this film was just... It just floored me. Yeah, when you say challenging, okay, so let's talk about why it's going to be challenging. And and what the movie is about, if you're not familiar with it, is essentially talks about how sugar has become quite the addiction in the in America and how it's really contributing to our obesity problem particularly in children. Right. And they do they talk about sugar a lot and but it's it's bigger than sugar. It's not just sugar. It's just the obesity epidemic all around and how the the food industries the manufacturers just uh have completely taken over this and and are making nutrition decisions you know for us and the government goes along with it and it's just a whole big thing uh it was really really an awesome awesome film very much so okay but before we get into our review of the movie let's give a couple of shout outs Okay, our first shout-out is a Facebook shout-out, and that is from, uh, that is to, I should say, Lauren Granger. Right, and if you remember, back in February, we had our Veggieversary, where we gave away a bunch of cool stuff, and then our grand prize was a juicer, a Breville juicer, and Lauren was the winner. So, earlier this week, we got a message from Lauren on Facebook, and she said... I just wanted to share how much I still love my juicer. Not sure how I functioned without one before. Thanks again. As the summer is approaching, I have discovered many different ways to serve up juice. My latest creation is sangria. Now, I've made sangria in the past, but nothing measures up to the sangria I make now with fresh juice to infuse my wine in. Nice. Right? It doesn't get <laughs> much better than that. I haven't tried that with our juicer yet, but I will. <laughs> well, you've <laughs> given, you've given Vicky an idea. Yes, absolutely. So thank you so much, Lauren. We're glad you're enjoying that. All right. And next we have a Twitter shout out, and that will that goes to Amy Greenwell. Amy Greenwell is at Firefly. Fire, song (laughs) and uh, she was engaged with us on Twitter and one of the things she did she retweeted a few of our things and she also answered the question that we put out as to what is your favorite non-dairy milk and hers was coconut now I have not tried coconut milk you've had coconut coconut water water. yeah but not coconut milk and I am not a coconut fan I the only thing I like about coconut is the smell of it but anything else, I'm just, I'm not a fan. It smells very tropical, right? I know, I like that. <laughs> All right, are we ready to get into the movie? I think so. Um, 
We ready to get mad all over again? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this again, this was a big game changer. And and I do equate it to the way I felt after I saw Veducated, where I knew I was just done. I am so done with some of these things, just knowing that it's just like a conspiracy against us for the sake of profit. Right. And it's really a losing battle with these big companies. So let's get into it, though. How did, how did this movie start out? Okay, well, now this is kind of the brainchild, I think, of... Well, I don't know if it was exactly the brainchild. The narrator for this movie is Katie Couric. And the way she started it out was by saying that it started out as a small story that she was doing years ago. And it's changed and turned into this big um, message for her. And so basically what the premise is is what if the solutions aren't the solutions at all? What if they're making things worse? Now, this is talking about all of the healthcare advice and the, the diet advice and um, things like that that and have not to been mention going all, on. Not to mention all of the products and the these uh, fat, um, what are these, fad, fad, fad kind of... Uh, programs that are launched that are making money off of people being obese and we, one of the quote one of the uh, statistics they give at the very beginning is that we have like twice as many people joining health clubs and yet our obesity rate is almost matched to that as as far as how it increased right and that was from 1980 to 2000 so that that's 20 year period yeah so something's something's going on, and the way they set up the movie, there were several children that were the movie was kind of based around, and it was following their stories. And these children were really overweight. One of the children was almost four hundred pounds. Right, I've got the three of them here. There, I think there were probably five, maybe six total that they looked at, but there were three uh, that were really they really focused in on. There was a fifteen-year-old boy, uh, two hundred fifty pounds, a twelve-year-old girl, two hundred twelve pounds, and then the fourteen-year-old boy nearly 400 pounds yeah and it was very heartbreaking to hear Mm -hmm. their stories and and we all know that bullying is something that is really prevalent in schools and these kids are just in just tortured every day Mm -hmm. and it's very sad especially this one kid brady that he was saying that he he was running and these girls were laughing at him Mm -hmm. because they wanted to see his fat they told him to run again so they could see his fat shake right that that's just just cruel it's heartbreaking and he, I think he's the one who actually said um, that he, he wanted to lose 50 pounds, uh, but he doesn't know how. And he's, he, this is something that he said. He said, I look at it as if I'm failing. Everyone else just sees another fat kid. Yeah. And so here's what's interesting. Going back to what you said at the very beginning where we were talking about, you know, what if the solutions really aren't working and they're even making it worse? I didn't realize this, but it was in it was in the 1950s where there was a study done by a French doctor on obese rats, and they apparently did some studies to to show that the rats that I guess exercised more lost weight. And so since then, this huge campaign, in fact, up until the 1950s, exercise was almost a taboo. Mm-hmm. You, they, they used to say it would contribute to heart attacks and uh, other things. And so it was almost a taboo until after this study came out in the 1950s. And all of a sudden, there's this big move to get people to exercise. And as we mentioned, uh, since from 1980 to 2000, fitness club memberships have doubled, but mm-hmm. so has the obesity rate. Right. And then the other thing is that, okay... Look at infants today. Even infants are obese. There's a problem with with obesity in infants and six months. Yeah, they can't exercise and they can't diet. 
So what does that tell you that it's not just it, just exercising will not make it go away. It's food. You have to change the way you eat. Yeah, there was a, an author that was quoted right around this this part of the movie that said, um, I don't know, no, I'm sorry, I think it was a doctor, Margot Wooten, who said, we are not going to exercise our way out of this obesity problem. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, and you know, that kind of reminds me of, so remember when I first joined with a personal trainer, he would work me hard and you know how I love my workouts and I still do, but I was not losing weight and it was so frustrating because in fact, at one point I was gaining weight. Mm-hmm. Of course, this was before we were vegetarians and we still weren't eating that well, but uh, I started to gain weight and that was so frustrating to me. And he didn't really know, he was a great personal trainer, but he didn't know much about nutrition. So he really didn't counsel me there. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that I, I can feel, I mean, when these kids were talking, there was just a lot of pain there. And it's so sad to me to think that at such a young age, they're facing these types of problems. Exactly. And, you know, the thing is that if they keep going at that rate, they're not going to make it to our age. Yeah. And that's one of the, the statistics that they said, and this was towards the end of the film, actually, they said that... Uh, this is the, let me see if I can find it in my notes here. Yeah, no, I think what it was is this is the first generation who is not expected to live longer yes. than their parents. Yes. Their life expectancy is actually shorter. Shorter, right. And that's the first generation in our country's history that that's actually been the case, which is just frightening. It is. Um, and then the other thing that they mentioned that kind of goes along with that is when these kids are, are, when this generation grows up and we need firefighters, we need police, we need, you know, people to protect us, to protect the country. And, and who's going to be able to do that? Because, because these kids aren't going to be in shape and able to do that work. Okay, so then it went into a conversation uh, or, or discussion, and I really like this part. So, because we we've been told over and over again that a calorie is a calorie, and if you count your calories, then it doesn't really matter how they come in, and you know that is that is wrong. Mm. There was a really good illustration done by one of the doctors that said 160 calories of soda versus 160 calories of almonds. Mm is not the same thing. What it does to your body, and I think most people know this, is that your insulin levels spike with the sugar as opposed to the almonds. And so the extra insulin gets stored as fat. So that's why it's not the same. And in fact, almonds stick with you longer, doesn't affect your your blood sugar levels that way, and it actually makes you feel full longer. And whereas the sugar just goes like, you know, right through the fiber and all that stays mm-hmm. stays in you. Right. That's that's what I was going to say is that the fiber in the almonds actually slows down that sugar absorption by your system um, because your, your system has to process that fiber as well. Whereas the Coke, it's just like shooting sugar right into your bloodstream, basically. Um, okay, here's something that, that I thought was really telling. And we saw this with several of the, the parents in this film is that one of the the moms of one of these kids said that she knows that her she knows that her son has a problem and that you know she needs to feed him better so what she does is she looks for low fat things in the grocery store so one of the things she mentioned she said cereal has little fat so it's okay so you know, and then she was showing her her pantry, and she had white pasta. She had boxes of Czech cereals, boxes of Cheerios, and you know, Cheerios are a thing with me for a whole different issue with General Mills and, and GMOs. But, uh, but still, I mean, those are not. There's a lot of sugar in those 
Even so. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that when fat is removed from the products, what people don't realize is that it, they really taste bad when the fat is removed. So the food companies have to replace that with sugar. Mm-hmm. So typically it will have more sugar because they have to do something to compensate for that missing fat. Right. Okay. Now six, 600,000 food items exist in America today. The, the packaged type food items, 80% of those have added sugar, right? And that's crazy. And how many of those actually say low fat on the label? I bet it's a really big percentage. And again, the, the, the same, I think it was the same mom. He likes Hot Pockets, so I get the lean ones. Ugh. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to get mad at the parents. And I, I kind of was. I felt myself, you know, really getting a little bit frustrated and angry mm-hmm. when, you know, some of the examples you just mentioned. But the parents are overweight, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're just not educated on this kind of stuff. They mm-hmm. just don't understand the what fat free me really means or what uh you know uh artificial sugars and all that kind of stuff really means exactly and that's something that that made me think when when she said that about you know the hot pockets that's a really really good example of the food manufacturers and the the companies their marketing tactics because what they're doing is they are educating the public on health which is it's not it's not edu- it's incorrect education. So the these parents really I mean yes, I can understand that they're trying to do the right thing by getting these low fat, lean things, but um they're listening to the food manufacturers who are educating them instead of listening to doctors, scientists who know the correct answers. Yes, but Use that in air quotes too, right? Because you have to be careful. So mm-hmm. oh. they have some of these companies have doctors mm-hmm. on their on their pay, payroll. Oh, absolutely. You know, so yeah. all there's a lot of studies out there that will show. Oh no, Coke isn't that bad for you, or mm-hmm. soda doesn't really contribute to obesity. But you really have to be careful. And this is where I think you start to get into a question of ethics when. Mm-hmm when these doctors are claiming, you know, are being bought essentially and to, to say that these products aren't that bad. I just don't understand how some of these people sleep at night. Exactly. I really don't. I know I said that to you on the way home when <laughs> well, we were talking. I was just saying, I, I just don't understand. In fact, there was one part in, uh, after one of uh, a hearing with the, f- with the uh, food companies where one of the senators, I guess, that was questioning somebody from the food company just said, you know, I just want to shake these people sometimes yeah. and just think, what are you thinking? You right. know? All right. Well, there was a, there was a um, partnership several years ago between the American Academy of Family Physicians and Coca-Cola. And after that happened, 20 members of the American Academy of Family Physicians immediately resigned. However, many of the doctors stayed. And the reason that they gave for that is because they got funding from food companies. And that's how they justified that. Well, I need that money. So it's okay, you know, because I want that money for my practice or whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah. So that's how they rationalize that. All right. So let's see. You know, I think one of the other things that is very deceptive, and we've talked about this in past podcasts or and even answered some questions on our Facebook page where folks are asking about eating 
healthier, cheaper. Because I think that one of the things that's been drilled into people's heads is that it's really expensive to eat healthy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to deny that there are some things that are that are more expensive. You're going to pay more for some of these. But you really have to be careful about these commercials you see, particularly like for Kentucky Fried Chicken, or I think that's one of the ones mm-hmm. they showed in the in the film where they say it's so cheap and you can feed your family of four for $26. And they actually showed that versus what it would cost you to cook a a home cooked meal. Mm -hmm. And it was all fresh ingredients. Yeah. All fresh ingredients. It was half that cost. It was like $11 or something like that. I think it was $13. Yeah. 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 So really literally almost half. Uh, So that's, yeah. And that's something too that, in certain areas, yeah, you probably may pay more and for certain things. But what we've started doing is paying a lot of attention to what we buy, where we buy it, and um, look at the prices and just do some comparison. And yeah, it's a little work, but it's worth it. It's worth it to me. I know it's worth it to Vicky. And I know our listeners would probably say the same thing is that, you know, you have to work at this. It's not just going to come. It's not like a, a magic pill that you can just take and say, okay, oh, it's all done. You know, it doesn't work that way. In fact, one of the, the children in the film, bless her heart, she was just crying, just tears, and she was so overweight. And she said, she said, I try and it just doesn't work. And I just wish there was a pill I could take and make it go away. And there's just not. Yeah, and it was again. It was the kids. Were, I think were the what made the film because mm-hmm. if you remove them, for me, I mean, there was a lot of startling facts in there. But I think it was just the kids that really got to me. Uh, there was this four hundred pound freshman in high school. His name was Joe Lopez, and he said, "I've tried everything." He was so you could tell he was so depressed, and he said, "I guess it's just my culture," mm-hmm. and that is so sad. That well, is so sad to me because. And his parents were very overweight as well. And I understand that, you know, I understand that um, they just probably weren't educated Mm -hmm. in in what it would take to help him drop the weight. Right. And the the thing about the the culture, um, one of the things that he said is, my grandma said, don't get up from the table until you eat everything. We were told that too. I know. Yeah. And again, it's not because they were trying to hurt you. That's just the way they were taught. Right. Well, and when you grow up, when if you think about it, the way our our grandparents grew up during the Depression, um, you know, you you saved for everything, and you had to make things last, and you didn't waste things. And I think that's where that mentality comes from. So it's not that that they're doing this to on purpose. It's it's learned behavior, and that's very very powerful. And then the mom from that that same family, she said that in uh, their culture, which is the Hispanic culture, and I know you know you come from that background as well. She said for Hispanic families, big is beautiful and healthy. Yeah, it really. I I can't say it was promoted, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. It wasn't like a big concern. You right. know, it was like big deal. You were overweight, mm-hmm. so it wasn't really. It really wasn't looked at mm-hmm. upon, and I don't, you know, it wasn't looked at as like a critical health issue. Exactly, and and that you know, and that was when we were growing up. It was different too. There were different things we didn't have. I mean, yeah, there were processed foods, of course, but there wasn't as much of it in the schools as there is today. And that's a thing that they focus on big time is the schools. And then one important thing that the dad in that family said as well is he said, you know, he said, you'll say that 
I'm putting in him in harm's way by not helping him or by not, you know, feeding, e- eating healthy at home. He said, but he sneaks food. He gets it at friends' houses. He gets it at school. And he said, we as parents don't have any control. And I can understand that, yes, you can't follow your children around or chain them in, in a bedroom. But I, I have to disagree with that a little bit and say it's not that you don't have any control. I know. I agree with that. And you know, what I felt so bad about, you remember Brady, mm-hmm. the one of the kids, what he said was, it's like an alcoholic mm-hmm. having alcohol in the house. You can't do it. It's, it's going to be too tough for an alcoholic to pass up a drink if there's alcohol in the house. And the parents really have to keep that stuff away mm-hmm. from their kids. Yes, you can't watch them all the time, but there you're absolutely right. There is some personal responsibility. You can't just say cuz I can't follow them around all the time, they might as well eat cake here. I mean, you know. Right. No. It's like you might as well just have cocaine on the table because they could get it out there. I mean, mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense. And speaking of cocaine, so this was also very very interesting. There was a study done, of course I would I would not approve of tests on animals but i know that made me just, sick I, it did make this. me sick but there was these uh rats that were addicted to cocaine and they were given the option between sugar water or cocaine and they 40 out of 43 of the rats chose the sugar water mm-hmm. and yeah they just switched addictions basically exactly and sugar has been found to be eight times more addicted than cocaine and i totally believe it because you know this is some this is an area of full transparency that you and i have struggled with and it kind of got a little worse there for it will go up and down a little bit with that and i've noticed that when we have it it's one of those things where then we really start to have it and then when yes. we just stop yes it's not such a bad thing but this is one area that we continue to to struggle with but and i like do I said, more than you I'll I'll yeah. be the first to admit that. Well, but like I said, I think this one really, mm-hmm. this movie really made me think about things in a lot. It was very perspective changing. Yeah, me too. And we'll talk about why in a minute, because there's another reason besides just seeing what it's doing to these children. But we'll talk about that in a minute. We talked about it in the car on the way home. Um, but speaking of addiction and what the food industry does, I mean, this... This is just, they're evil. I'm sorry, they're evil. Um, The food industry knows that the earlier kids are introduced to sugar and other addictive foods, the more addicted they will be. And so, you know, marketing to kids, marketing to um, the smaller, the better. And one of the things that they said is that children as young as two and three can recognize brands. So you, you put those out and you put them at eye level where, you know, two and three year olds can see them. And then you get, you get parents, you know, taking their kids to the store. And I want this, I want this, I want this. And I mean, that's hard to resist. Yeah. And what about that doctor that said he, and he went into that school auditorium and all the chairs had Coca-Cola. That was a preschool. Yeah, it was a preschool. They had Coca-Cola on the chairs. That is just a crime. Mm -hmm. That should definitely be a crime. Absolutely. Okay. And here's another quote for you. There was a doctor in the film that says, if a foreign country were doing this to our children, we would go to war. Mm-hmm. But yet we allow this to happen. We allow our government yeah, to, our borders. to right. allow it. Yeah. And oh, say, so Bill, Bill Clinton was also in this film. And the uh, Katie Couric asked him, did you not see this coming? Or, you know, because this goes back. This mm-hmm. really goes back to 
actually it goes back to the when Ray well it goes even further back to when Reagan had cut some of the subsidies to schools and it made it much easier for schools to go to these fast food restaurants to help kind of make up for some of that lost money as opposed to making school uh school lunches within the cafeteria. When I grew up, that's how it was. Mm-hmm. We had actual people making stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. it wasn't that great, but I mean, no. it was still <laughs> it, <laughs> it was, was cafeteria food. Like, yeah, but it but was it made was... with real ingredients, right? And so Bill Clinton says we we are we were we really didn't see it coming. We didn't think we didn't understand the magnitude of yeah. the problem. Yeah, he said we had made an effort to change schools, but we didn't realize the magnitude of the problem. Yeah, and you know, I think that. And he 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 said some other things too. They went back to him several times, and uh, you know he was just really insightful. And one of the other things he said is that even today, Americans are still insufficiently alert to the damage that we're doing to our health and to our children's health by allowing this. Yeah, and here's the other thing. So the extent that the lobbyists and and how ingrained they are and how they're able to, whenever the government seems to try to do something that they lobby hard enough to kind of water it down. Mm -hmm. So for example, there was something that was introduced. It was, I guess it was a bill that was TRS 916 that was outlined the acceptable doses of sugar, which was, I think they said 10% of the calories. That was the world health organization. Okay. It was right. Yeah. 10%. Yeah. It was 10%. But of course, then once the lobbyists get in there, they actually had them change that to 25% mm-hmm. or something like that. I know well, it was double. Right, 25%. And what happened was the U.S. actually got in there and said to the U.N. that the World Health Organization is the um, kind of the food – they're responsible for global health standards, setting global health standards within the U.N. So what happened was U.S. officials went and, and saw that report and said, okay, either you change this or we are not going to contribute our uh, share of money to the U.N. Yeah, so they kind of they extorted him. Ex- yeah, yeah, they extorted Extortion, him exactly. Um, uh, and here's the other thing. So even just to give you a, a more recent example is in with the Obama administration. So Michelle Obama, you might recall when he, he first took office, was really big on the attacking childhood Mm -hmm. obesity and was very firm with the corporations right off the bat. I mean, she said, you know, you have an, you have a, a part in this as well. And so they said, sure, we'll help out. (laughs) And what they did essentially was they kind of maneuvered this whole campaign to be more about exercise Mm -hmm. than it was about their actual food. Yeah, our food's not the problem. It's that kids aren't exercising. And they vowed to make some changes to their products and stuff, but they just kind of danced around some of that stuff. Yeah, what they what they agreed to, they they formed a healthy weight commit they made a healthy weight commitment is what it was what this was called. And they said, "Okay, well, over the next several years, so by the year 2015, we will we agree to remove 1.5 trillion calories from the marketplace. What that equals to is the equivalent of removing about 14 calories a day from the average American's diet. 14 calories isn't going to do squat. No. <laughs> you can and, sneeze and burn 14 calories. Exactly. And so what what they uh, what they said is okay, well, we'll do things like we'll introduce new lower calorie products or we'll revise our existing products. And one of the things the comebacks to that was, well, junk is still junk even if it's less junky. 
Which is absolutely yeah, it's true. Absolutely true. You know, if you take Oreos and you put slap a, a label less fat on them, what happens to that? It's adding sugar, right? Yeah. So yeah, okay, whoa, these are less fat. But how much sugar are you eating? And on top of that, we have the whole phenomenon that helped that, that happened like with the um, healthy choice products or oh, snack wells, oh, snack yeah. wells back in the 90s where they said, OK, these are low fat. These are fat free. So what happened with that? People I know. said, oh, I can eat more of these. I know. I was going to say, I know I gained weight when I ate those things. <laughs> yeah. So that's just super crazy. OK, so the other thing is so on the movie poster. Remember what it said? It said something about pizza, pizza is, a vegetable. is a vegetable. So this is another example of when Obama tried to change some of the funding to schools to have them buy in, buy less junk food. They just tried to rename some of the <laughs> junk food. And one of the things they tried to do was say that pizza was a vegetable. Right, they tried no. to classify it as a vegetable uh, because of the tomato paste. And so one of the, again, upon questioning, even, you know, one of the, I don't know, some political, maybe he was a senator or something, but they said, so tomato paste is a veg- vegetable? And he said, well, not in my house, but <laughs> scientifically, you could probably make the case for it. Really? Oh, come right. on. I, I, how do you say stuff like that and not, and still sleep? <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, and you know who engineered that? That was Schwann. Now, Schwann is one of the largest food manufacturers. They have um, Red Baron Pizza. They've got all these and all these different brands under their umbrella. And 70% of the pizza market in school lunches came from Schwann. And that's where that's why that happened. So one of the politicians in the state where Schwann is headquartered is the one who actually engineered that deal that pizza is a vegetable. So they could keep their their contracts with Schwann and the and the public schools, which I mean, it's just it's just got it's like they all have little horns growing out of their well, heads. Well, and the thing is, is they get away with this because we're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I really like that the film does is it draws a parallel between what's going on right now and what was going on with the tobacco industry for a while, mm-hmm. and and how we've gotten to the point now where people know that cigarettes are bad and the things that we've done to curtail some of the, uh, particularly the marketing to the children, right? So yes. because of everything that we've done as a society to try to stop these companies from recruiting children to be uh, smokers, high schoolers now, there's half high, half the high schoolers that, I don't know what time period they gave, but I know that mm-hmm. it's half as many children now in high school smoke than used to. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. And that's because that's because of the anti-smoking campaign that was established, I think, starting in the, uh, what was it, 70s? Uh, and one of the things that I thought was awesome about this is that the government told the TV networks that they could show cigarette ads, but for every cigarette ad they showed, they had to free up an equal amount of advertising time for the anti-smoking campaign ads. Yeah. And that that got them to quit showing advertising, (laughs) cigarette advertising pretty quickly. Um, And then the U.S. was also the first to uh, require warning labels on cigarette packs. And I think and then after that, the rest of like 
Western Europe followed suit and everything. So, you know, we took the lead on that. What it's going to take is us taking the lead on putting warning labels on soda cans. And we're not taking the lead. So there was even some headlines that were shown that Mexico prevents food companies, certain food companies from advertising to children during peak television hours. And And they also ban junk food in schools. Yes. And so we're definitely behind on on this. And this is something even, I think, more important. Mm, Yeah, exactly. And uh, one of of the other things that Clinton said that I really agreed with is he said, we could cure 80% of the problems in children of children in in, uh, health problems of children if we go back to the school cafeterias and solve it there. Totally agree. And I mean, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And, you know, this thing with marketing to children is just, it's diabolical. And I, I really appreciated this. I thought this was great. They had a, a little uh, piece of newscast footage with Walter Cronkite, black and white. Uh, and he said that uh, Quaker had said that one of the best uses of sugar is to get kids to eat their cereal. This is this is so wrong, you know. And then you know when 1977, consumer advocates lobbied the FTC to regulate um, ads for sugar laden products, you know, to during children's um, TV time. And these industries came back and said, "The okay, well, you can't do that. That's an attack on free enterprise and free speech." And they rolled, you know, the government rolled over and said, oh, all right. It just takes enough people, you Mm -hmm. know, and I I will admit, so they had a little snippet with Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg, Mm -hmm. the mayor of New York, and he was trying to, he he got a lot of flack for trying to limit the size of the sodas that some of these gas stations and I guess convenience stores sell. And I was one that really didn't, I thought it was kind of silly. But you got to appreciate what he was trying to do. The only problem is, I think it was like a little tiny Band-Aid on this big wound. Mm -hmm. And I know it's got to start somewhere, but I think what you and I were talking about, I think the ultimate goal should be that these things go away because people don't want them anymore. Exactly. When and, and I've said this before, is that we vote with our dollars. So when you buy the stuff, and this is where I said it was perspective changing to me, is that like, for example, with meat, and when people say, do you miss meat? I don't see meat the same way I saw meat in the past, because now I, because I love animals so much, I see animals suffer, suffering or animals who suffered. It's the same thing with this now. So what this did for me was it made me see sugar in a whole new light, mm-hmm. meaning that those children really got to me as far as just understanding that every time I put my money towards one of those things, I am voting for it. I'm in support of it when you do that. And I don't want to be anymore. Right. And that's what I was talking about earlier, that we have another agenda, not just, you know, to stop eating sugar or stop eating these things for our health. And that that's exactly right. Um, that's something that that is motivating for me too, because it just makes me mad. And I'm one who's always been able fairly easily to jump on boycotting something because like with the GMOs with General Mills products, you know, I used to love Cheerios. I don't eat Cheerios anymore. I don't need any General Mills products. Um, There are a lot of products like that Nestle. I don't need any Nestle products anymore for the same reason. And so it's easier for me sometimes to do it out of anger, you know, and say, yeah, I'm not going to give you my money. I'm not going to patronize that because of what you're doing. So that may be the angle that I need. 
yeah, to do this. We, yeah, and as we've talked about before, you just have a, have a you just have to have a big enough why. Mm-hmm. And this to me was a big enough why mm-hmm. because I think when it's just about you, to me that's not a, it doesn't stick enough. Right. But when it's about something bigger like the animals or like the children or to support these huge giants that just have such a monopoly on mm-hmm. our health, essentially, that really makes me angry. And hopefully enough people will get angry. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another statistic that should tick you off a little bit. Health insurance companies buy stock in fast food companies. Yes, I saw that and I just... I think I actually made a noise when they said that. <laughs> I think you did. In the theater. I think, I think I a lot a, of people did. They were just sort like, of what? disgust. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's just unbelievable to me. And that just, just shows you that our priorities and the priorities of big business and healthcare in this country are way out of whack. I mean, that's just, that's just messed up. Yeah, and again, I think people will will cry that you're messing with capitalism and, you know, things like that. But remember who's crying, too, by the way. It's people that are profiting from this. But the thing is, is that once we educate ourselves, this, they're counting on you not to, they're counting on you to sleepwalk past all this stuff and just say it's easier to eat this processed stuff, to pull a bag of Doritos than to pick some fresh kale. They're, they're counting on that. And yeah. so that's that's really where we need to get a little ticked off, or mm-hmm. should I say fed up. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, one of the things that, that they did mention, too, is that the food industry cares less about what they sell in schools than they care about the opportunity to market their products, which is just, again, it just all comes down to money. Okay, so on this current path, one of the other things they mention is that by 2050, mm-hmm. 2050, a third of all Americans will have diabetes, and within the next two decades... of our population will be obese. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the percentage is now. Do you? I don't know what it is now. Um, But that's alarming. uh, Yes. Right now, uh, when they were talking, they did a little segment about uh, there was one of the kids was talking about how it's not fair that he sees uh, friends at school and his brothers who are not overweight being able to eat all of this bad stuff and not gain weight. And he can't eat that, you know, with he eats it, but he, you know, he pays all this, this heavy price for it because he's so overweight. And one of the things that they said, they were talking about um, how skinny is not necessarily healthy. And uh, they mentioned Tofi, T-O-F-I, thin on the outside, fat on the inside. And they were saying that 30% of Americans are obese right now. 40% of thin people have the metabolic um, functioning of obese people, meaning they've got this metabolic syndrome, which is like prediabetes, the, um, all the problems associated with that. So put those together, that's 70% of the population. Yeah, and I think what Dr. Mark Hyman said in the film is that when you look in, uh, you're scanning the inside of the body, it's no different between uh, one, a person who's tofi and mm-hmm. a person who's obese. Mm-hmm. All right, any parting comments, anything else uh, that we want to talk about? <clears throat> well, let's see. Uh, w- one of the things that they did say towards the end, uh, when they were talking about this, um, how you know the companies were working against us, even the healthcare companies, uh, a couple of things that they said are, uh, the deck is stacked against being healthy. Uh, eating healthy is like swimming upstream. I thought that was really telling. And that's that's just so true. And that just made 
me think like we were talking about that we need to make it easier for parents to do to feed their kids healthy foods and to educate them and i think like we said and we've been saying is that education is the key yes and i think it's important to educate children of course but you need to educate the parents because the the children have no decision making ability until they get older and then once they get older it's too late yeah, and it w- again, it was easy to get mad at the parents until they started really talking and you started mm-hmm. seeing what they were doing and they just didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know, they really, yeah. they were sad for their kids and you know mm-hmm. that they would have done anything to try to help them, but they just didn't know. Yes. All right. Did we talk about this too, that 80% of public schools have a deal with either Coke or Pepsi? No, we didn't talk about that. But How crazy disgusting. is that? Disgusting. So yeah, so that has to stop. Mm-hmm. It has to stop. And so it can stop by, at the end of the movie, they talk about taking the fed up challenge, which Larissa and I are going to do yes. when I get back from California this week, later <laughs> this week. We're going to start. So she's going to prep our our house for that mm-hmm. and come up with some yummy recipes for mm-hmm. us to, to try out. But we are going on a sugar detox because we need it. Okay. Now keep in mind though, that we're recording ahead because we'll be on vacation. So by the time you listen to this, this will have actually happened. And uh, so next episode, we can probably, uh, or the next couple episodes, we can report on how we did. Uh, because we're actually recording into the future now. so And I don't anticipate this is going to be pretty. No, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it's necessary Absolutely, and I'm yes. all for it. Absolutely. But I told, it's like I told you in the car on the way home, it's going to be hard. Considering not, sugar is eight times more addictive oh, yeah. than cocaine, I know we're probably going to have some withdrawals, but I know we'll keep each other straight. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll, we'll still be talking about it on the Facebook page real time. So mm-hmm. hopefully we'll get some support from folks out there also. Right. So can we take just a minute and go over the rules of this? The or yes. Not the rules, but the guidelines, the whatever guidelines you want to call it. Yeah. For the Fed Up Challenge. And right. you can learn more about this on their website too. Fedupmovie.com. Yes. Uh, okay. So no sugar for 10 days. So that's a good sugar detox right there. Okay, avoid processed foods. Well, that's, you know, considering that 80% of processed foods contain added sugar, it's kind of a no-brainer, right? You kind of have to do that. Uh, don't eat ingredients you don't recognize. And we've talked about this before. We're pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. I'm getting better. Yes. Uh, okay, if you have kids, avoid, avoid kids' menus because it's they're just loaded with sugar. They're loaded with, you know, stuff to make, picky kids eat and then another thing if you have kids tell the principals of your schools of your kids schools to put kids health above big industry that's one of the most important things and then also call your government email your government don't let it go yeah, this is definitely David and Goliath, guys, but this is so worth it. So do what you need to do to get this done because there are literally lives at stake. Exactly. That's true. All right. So uh, as per our usual schedule, let's do the quote of the week. And this is a quote from the movie. And I I regret to say that I don't, I didn't catch who said this. I was writing so fast and so furiously. I managed to get the quote, but I didn't see the person. Uh, but it's still a great quote. It, uh, it says, uh, disease doesn't happen with one meal, but it happens with a thousand. And I mean, that's, that's just so true. You yeah. know, it doesn't get much truer than that. And with that in mind, I just thought of one more uh, kind of on the fly here that I'll, that I'll share because it's related and what that one was, it, this was right at the end. And it's, uh, 
It's not an easy transition to real food, but it starts locally, as locally as your fork. Sweet. Yeah. So, so true. So that's something that we'll be doing. We'll be starting locally with the forks in our in our uh, silverware drawer coming up. All right. Moving into our recipe of the week. Larissa? Okay. This was inspired by a friend of ours, Travis, at Parker Creek Ranch. And his wife uh, is a friend of mine, Mandy, from when I worked at Audubon. And they have a, now they have a poultry farm, but they also do some plants, herbs, and such. And we went to the market today. They sell at the local markets. We went to farmers, the Pearl Farmers Market this morning, stopped by and visited with Travis. And he had this herb that we'd never seen before and so we commented on it so he gave us a, a package to try which is very sweet of him so the herb is mexican mint marigold and i'd never heard of it me neither and it's supposed to be texas tarragon texas tarragon yeah I'll, he gave us a, an information sheet on it so basically what it is uh, it's it says te- mexican mint marigold also known as texas tarragon since it's better suited to a long hot summer yet has the anise flavor and it's i read online that it was originally called in mexico cloud plant how cool is that cloud plant smells so good it smells like cinnamon it does smell like cinnamon to, to both of us and it doesn't say anything like that in the literature it smells it says it smells like anise or uh which is more like a licorice smell but to me it smells just like um cinnamon cinnamon And so one of the things, there were several recipes that came on this little info sheet that he gave us. And we we were, were going to do Mexican mint marigold cookies. And then we thought, hmm, well, since we're detoxing off of sugar, that might not be the best not thing to promote. a great idea. Yeah. I mean, they look great. We'll probably try them at some point later on. So I think what we decided to do is to steep the marigold and do a tea and just see how it is. And it, I mean, it sounds really good. It says it's supposed to have a sweet anise flavor. So we'll see how that is. And then uh, just put that out there. So it's nothing fancy, just something that if we'll try it and if it's good, then we can recommend it to you. I love tea too. Right. So. Tea for two? Two for tea? <laughs> All right. Shut up, Larissa. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that does it for our show for today. Great. If you found value in this podcast, we would appreciate you heading out to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating. We read those online. Uh, We also read our Facebook uh, comments and give shout-outs to our Facebook engagers and also our Twitter engagers. So there's a lot of ways to interact with us. Also on Pinterest, we have quite a few boards out there with some resources for you. So head out there as well. Right. And I just want to say one more thing, if I can, before we close. Sure. It's I our just, show. You can say whatever you want. We, oh, wow. That's just, that's like a rush, isn't it? Um, no, I just wanted to send a big thank you out to our listeners and our Facebook followers and everybody who's so engaged with us. We've seen so much support over the last almost year now that we've been doing this podcast. And the, the community that we've developed, it just blows me away you know, how supportive everybody is and how engaged. And we've seen a pickup. We've seen an increase in engagement recently. And uh, that's not to to diminish everything we had before. But I just feel like 
this is our family now. Yeah, and you guys got to know, this is total motivation for mm-hmm. us when we interact with you, because that's why we do this. Like, I was even thinking back to episode one, where we're like, is this thing on? I mean, we don't <laughs> even know, if, you know, is anybody listening to us? And then as our engagement started to pick up and our community started to grow, it really is so amazing to talk to such great people that I do, you're absolutely right. I feel like I could, you know, they could come into our living room and just sit down and have a big plate of veggies and, you know, chat. So. Right. And that's that is one of my secret, not so secret anymore goals is one day to have a, a vegetarian Zen meetup in real life. We we're talking about getting a vegetarian Zen food truck and just like going all over the country, mm-hmm. meeting people, talking to people, still yeah. continuing the podcast and doing all that stuff. That's probably the top of my dream list right now. Top of my bucket list, maybe to that do that. Awesome. Educate people, right, on on sh- mm-hmm. on some of the stuff we talked about today. So yeah, yeah, that would that would be the ultimate dream. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that in. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you so much for all your support, and uh, you know we really look forward to bringing more and more to you. As yeah. we go forward. And don't hesitate to tell us. We we don't, you know, we love to hear what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. So definitely let us know that as well. Right. This is all for you. All right. I think that does it for our show today. Great. We'll see you next time. Peace out. Bye. Hey, Veg Centers. Thanks so much for joining us today. Please be sure to visit our website at www.vegetarianzen.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Vegetarian Zen. We're on Twitter at Vegetarian Zen. Until next time, wishing you a happy body and a healthy mind.